You're listening to Strictly Business Podcast with Lindsay Williams. This edition of It's My Money is brought to you by Brenthurst Wealth, your partner for global wealth creation. It's Tuesday, so it's time for It's My Money, sponsored by Brenthurst Wealth and brought to you by Brenthurst Wealth. And from Brenthurst Wealth is Desmond Binnaker. And we're going to talk today about a piece that he sent me a couple of days ago called The Value of Bonds in a Portfolio. And I have to lay my cards on the table now, Desmond, and say that people don't understand bonds. Or if they do understand them, they sort of push them aside in favour of equities and money market and that sort of thing. I think it's a much maligned asset class, don't you? Absolutely right, Lindsay. So uh, in portfolio portfolio construction, uh, the correct asset allocation uh, is very important to produce an optimal investment return uh, for the investor. And we find that of all the major asset classes, uh, cash, bonds, equities, and property, the role of bonds or fixed interest, as it's called, is, is often underestimated. And it's not really the one or the other. Um, it's, the, it's the blend of the, of the asset classes that uh, gives you the uh, optimal return. It really is. And the point about this is that people don't understand bonds because they're very difficult to understand and they're the victims of their own complications. Because if the yield goes up, then the bond price goes down and the opposite. For example, the 10-year South African government bond just uh, three months ago was thirteen point yielded 13.50% in a world that was very different to what it is today or market-wise anyway, it's currently 9.37%, something like that. Uh, so the bonds went up, but the yield went down. So that, that confuses people, I think. I think there needs to be some kind of education system going on here. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so this is uh, a concept called duration. Mm. And uh, the longer the duration of a bond in an, in an income fund, uh, as an example, uh, the higher the yield but the more amplified the volatility in return would be uh, for changes in interest rates. Uh, to your point, uh, when uh, interest rates uh, go down, as they have by 300 basis points since the start of the year, yes. uh, the value of bonds actually uh, increase. So there's this inverse relationship between uh, interest rates and bond yields. Um, and that's just the way it is, and it's a function of the duration. And the art of the asset manager is to get the duration right. So obviously, the longer the duration in a portfolio, the higher the potential yield, but the more volatile would be the returns over the longer term. There are several types of bonds, and you point this out in your article. There's the government bond, of course, which I suppose, if you choose the right country, is cast in stone. In other words, you're not going to lose your money. They will always pay you back. There's the muni bond, as it used to be called, the Mm. municipal bond, slightly more risky, I would say. And then there's the corporate bond as well, which has become very, very popular indeed if you get a good company, again, with a good uh, balance sheet. So maybe describe the three and which one you prefer. So you'll notice when you look at an income fund, there's normally uh, a blend of, uh, there's a bit of government debt in there, there may be some parastatal debt, uh, there may be some corporate debt, and then even some cash and listed uh, property. So uh, the risk-free return, of course, is the um, government debt. So a bond, as you know, is really an IOU. It is a debt instrument which are uh, offered by issuers in return for your capital. They promise you a coupon or an income payment. 
So if you assume that government is risk-free, and of course, when referring to U.S. Treasury bills, they are, for all practical purposes, risk-free. And if you believe that the SA government will never default, then they are risk-free. And there is an argument that they will never default because government can raise taxes and print money. So those are your uh, less risky bonds. So now you're assuming credit risk, the risk of the issuer defaulting. The parastatals, uh, looking at the city of Joburg as an example, there is Eskom, heaven forbid, and then there are corporates. So obviously the larger corporates, the uh, uh, Mercedes-Benz, Toyotas of the world, also require capital for expansion and they issue debt. And, and of course, <laughs> often people say, which would I prefer to hold? Would I rather trust Toyota uh, with my money or SA? Uh, but unfortunately, corporates, because of the perceived higher risk, uh, have to pay a premium for the capital, and hence the yield is a little bit enhanced. Okay, let's look at the risks now, because bonds inherently, I, I think, from what you just said in certain parts of your last answer, bonds are safe. Uh, but there are risks as well. And let's have a look at that. I mean, obviously, the risk is that um, interest rates rise or fall. And that is an incredibly important factor in the equation when you look at investing in bonds. Now, at the moment, of course, interest rates are at record lows and don't look like rising for quite a while. Absolutely right. So the this inverse relationship between interest rates and yield, uh, which for bonds would potentially be good because you've had a decline in the in the uh, bond yield um, uh, over every period, and and hence uh, the capital value of bonds uh, should uh, increase. So now may be the time to assume some fixed interest exposure if you haven't got it yet. Then, of course, there's the credit risk, which we've alluded to, the risk of default. Now, you'll remember a couple of years ago, this uh, um, uh, hoo-ha when African Bank was on the brink of default and our people's funds in income funds were side-pocketed. So uh, there is always the risk that the issuer cannot meet the uh, interest commitment or even even the capital redemption commitment, heaven forbid, in which case uh, you will lose your money. So uh, the asset managers really have to manage the credit risk and get that right. Obviously, we're not living in a perfect world and there's always the chance of an issuer defaulting. But uh, one would assume that they do the necessary due diligence to ensure that only quality uh, assets uh, are acquired. And, of course, um, with the risk of default, the better the quality, the lower the returns and vice versa. And then, of course, there's the liquidity uh, with bonds in that, ideally, if you hold your paper to maturity, um, you will get the full yield. And uh, there is a secondary market for bonds, so you can exit. Uh, but obviously, bonds is, is probably less liquid as uh, would be cash uh, and equities, as an example. How have bonds performed over the recent extraordinary six months or almost six months that we've endured? Uh, maybe maybe I'm exaggerating. Maybe it's just four to five months. But anyway, how have bonds done versus equities, for example? Well, excellent, in fact. You know, as you've just mentioned, the 10-year government bond is still yielding this morning 9.26%, the three-year bond 4.6%. Considering the repo rate at 3.5%, you're lucky to get that in a bank. Uh, Just compare that to the U.S. US 10-year yield of 0.55, 
which still gives you a decent yield. So because of this global um, search for yield, um, SA fixed interest remains popular. And if you compare uh, these kind of returns and the returns in income funds varying uh, between 5 to 8%, compare that to the JSE's uh, negative 1% for the 12 months, um, bonds as SA exposure goes was probably the better place to be. Uh, compare that to the S&P with a positive 12%, the NASDAQ with a, with a positive 36 So um, this becomes important, Lindsay, when one considers the constraints of Regulation 28 in pension funds. We know that when you are constrained by Reg 28, you can only achieve offshore exposure of 30%. And uh, the rest of the money has got to be invested elsewhere. And if the bulk of that goes into the JSE, the, the average person providing for retirement would have lost money. So uh, we do the, the offshore investment bit and we give the client the 30% offshore. But uh, the bulk of the money, if you were to place that in uh, a number of good income producing enhanced income funds, uh, you would have beaten inflation by a decent margin, we'd say. Okay. I'm giving you uh, 10 million rand now, and I'm splitting that across various asset classes. How much would you split? And I'm not talking about the other asset classes. How much would, at the moment, with interest rates nearly zero in the rest of the world, but in South Africa, uh, still, yeah, they're at almost record lows, but the point is that they're still positive compared to the rest of the world. How much would you assign to the bond market in a portfolio out of 100? So depending on whether it's compulsory monies or discretionary, uh, and depending if you required an income, what we use bonds for mainly at Brenthurst is to provide for the income element of a portfolio, where uh, in doing the construction of the client's portfolio, we have cash or near cash of about a year or two of income requirements. And then between two and five years, we put in bonds with lesser volatility, but with a better return. And the bulk of the money, uh, the residual of the money to be invested, we would invest uh, offshore into uh, growth assets uh, to, to ensure that you do have inflation beating returns, but you've got the correct blend between income, volatility and growth. Okay, so the conclusion is that don't ignore bonds, get to know them and have them as part of your portfolio. I think that's what I'm getting from this conversation. Totally right. So there's most definitely a place for bonds, uh, depending on the client's risk profile, overall asset allocation and his financial objectives. But uh, we use uh, bonds every day, uh, especially for the income element. It's certainly done a great deal better than the JSE has uh, uh, but it's not a growth asset. It is income producing. And in times of volatility, it does give you uh, a fair margin above inflation of around 3 or even 4%. Desmond, thanks so much for your time. That's Desmond Biernicker from Brenthurst Wealth. It's My Money was brought to you by Brenthurst Wealth, an award-winning boutique wealth management company. The views and opinions expressed in these podcasts are those of Lindsay Williams and various contributors and do not reflect the policy, position 
or opinion of any other agency, organization, employer, or company associated with strictlybusinesspodcast.com. Assumptions made on the analyses are not reflective of the position of any other entity other than the speaker or the author. And since we are critically thinking human beings, these views are always subject to change, revision, and rethinking at any time. Please do not hold us to them in perpetuity.